0: Welcome to Mojo Moments. I'm your host, Thane Calder. And with me is the one and only Mark Delinsky.
1: How's it going, man?
0: I'm not talking about your J anymore in Delinsky because I think people are confused why I keep mentioning a J. Why do I mention a J?
1: I mean, you mention a J just because my last name has a lot of consonants and it ends in a J, but that's because of my Ukrainian heritage, which we like. We're celebrating. yeah, respect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a, it is a throw off. It throws most people off. They they start reading my name. They get almost all the way to the end, and then that J becomes almost a question mark. Where they stop and they go, "Wait, did my, I get that? Fr- Wait, where do I stop? Am I
0: mispronouncing his name?"
1: Yeah. yeah, it's it's always been fun to see where people go with it.
0: It's so funny because a guy like me with the name Thane should be really like I don't know, tooled in or clued in or whatever the term is. With people's names, and the other day I was on a Zoom class with my son in grade eleven. I was an invited guest, and so I was trying to make it interactive. and I was going through the names. It's it's a pretty diverse class, and I was just like, "Ah, uh, how do you pronounce your name? Is it F A or F E? I'm sorry, like
1: E F I E, E F E, E F E, ooh." See?
0: So, anyway, that's not why we're here, everybody. So, welcome to Mojo Moments. Uh, by the way, Mark, how's your mojo? It's
1: pretty good. Spring's here. It's warm ish again. I'm enjoying it. I got the bike out, been biking my kid to daycare. That's been a fun, positive mojo change for me.
0: Awesome, bro. But you know what spring is often synonymous with? Cleaning up. You know, spring cleaning is a thing. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and it's about getting rid of the extra waste, And which is my segue into what we're going to talk about today. Our guest today, right, is turning food waste into awesome things. And his name is David Cote. He's a visionary in the food world and more. He has a few other things there, not just food, from what I gather. And we're going to hear more about that. Mark, can you give us a little more lowdown on his deets?
1: Sure. So the main backstory is David Cote co-founded Crudessence, the organic food chain here in Montreal in 2006 with Matthew Gadon, his his partner at the time, uh, his business partner. Then in 2008, you know, just as they were opening their first store on Rachel in Montreal, they co-founded Rise Kombucha, which at the beginning was kind of an offshoot of Crudessence. It was Crudessence Kombucha, uh, which then became, I think, Rise Kombucha. If I'm getting that correct, I'm sure he'll correct me because I usually get something in this intro wrong. But... They were the first company in North Americans to do one liter bottles of kombucha, which is what you mainline on the daily after your runs, which is pretty fantastic. He's there holding you. it up to the camera right now. But then, uh, what we're gonna, what we really want to focus on with them today uh, started in 2016, and this is the Loop Mission. So we founded this with his life partner Julie poitras solnier and uh, this is where they take waste uh food waste from large producers they clean it and they press it and they turn into new products like juices booze even soap uh but i'm sure we're going to get more details into that process they you know the gin and all that sort of fun stuff with him uh shortly
0: i can't believe you just for our listeners out there like the way you pull that off from your memory is incredible
1: isn't it just (laughs) you're not reading anything i that's what's so incredible so yeah, it's, here how, it's how to make reading sound natural. Yeah. <laughs> Just stumble on words yeah. every now and again. Today, pause. today,
0: a little less so. But that's okay because we have a lot of interesting information because we have David Cote from Loop Mission with us. Listen up. So, David welcome to mojo moments man thanks thanks i'm happy to be
2: there it's going to be like a little break in my day i love it it's cool. awesome
0: you, you know we met before way way back when you were at rise
2: yeah we came to you guys uh, for, for for the Crude sounds branding and the, and the little rise homework i think we had to do for the brand i believe
0: yeah, I don't think we ended up working together, but it doesn't matter. I became a converted customer, so that worked. It's just a very long process for you to get customers by meeting each one like <laughs> you did. But holy cow, st- <laughs> I, should, I should be drinking Loop, but I am still on the Rise stuff, so full That's disclosure. All right. It's
2: okay. As long as you drink one of my drinks, it's, I'm going to be fine.
0: <laughs> are you still in
2: Rise, or are you... yeah. I actually left Rise, I left the board and everything for four years to start Loop with my wife and I reintegrated the board a year ago when, you know, the business wasn't, you know, really evolving or doing anything new. So I, I came back to, you know, and, and there's still a little bit of, of new uh, new innovation in the company. So now those are will be released pretty soon. So I'll probably leave again.
0: Oh, yeah. Once you get that out there. Anyway, good. Well, so I'm doing my part to help. I drink a lot of the old rice kombucha. So nice. So thanks for uh joining us. It's and I'm gonna be fully transparent. So Noah, who reached out to you, is a huge loop fan. Like he's like, ah, I drink it all the time. I hopefully it's not the gin all the time, but he he's like, You gotta have him on.
1: <laughs> you could explain yeah, some yeah, of yeah. Noah's decisions, though. Uh
0: and as I dug into the story, because I, I I'm you know, I live in, in a you know, in a cave somewhere. So I hadn't heard the story and it's so cool. Can you, could you give us a bit the rundown? Like what is Loop and how did the, or do you always call it Loop or Loop Mission? Am I? So,
2: yeah, well, we call it Loop Mission now. It used to be called only Loop Juices at first. we started the company four years ago in 2016. It's almost five years now. Uh, We, you know, I started it because of a phone call. I, I received one phone call. I was, at that time, I was at Crudeissance, you know, managing, managing a few uh, restaurant, vegan raw food chain and had rice kombucha at the same time. And I was kind of bored, you know. I, was, I felt like my mission was kind of accomplished, and I, I kind of became a threat for my own company because I'm always the guy that wants to see, you know, what's next, what do we do new? And when you have a, a bigger company that's growing, you need to, you know, stabilize your operation and check your costing and everything of this. And this is all stuff that I, I never do. So I was becoming dangerous as a president of a company. My team didn't like me. They were like, this guy is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got to get him out of here. And then, and then I got this phone call from a guy. I didn't know him. And he told me he was throwing away between 16 and 20 tons of fruits and vegetables every single day. And I didn't believe it. I every made him. Every day? It for, every single day. And I made him repeat that sentence, just like he did for me, four times. And I was like, are you sure you're not mumbling or something? Is it really every day? It's not 16 kilos. It's 16 tons. He's like, yeah, you, you gotta come here and understand. So I went to his warehouse with Julie. Uh, now her fiance. She was just a girl I just met at that time. She was just a date, uh, but she was a you know she was just working in sustainable uh, environmental stuff,
0: and she's a geek of science. I just want to pause that. That your date is let's go look at this food getting thrown up. That's our date. Man.
2: Yeah, that was that was, a, that was our date. I was like, let's go see this. It's going to be interesting. We went there, and we freaked out. Like we visit the. We, we then I realized that the guy that called me wasn't just a random dude. He's basically the son. Basically, his great grandfather started this distribution company 102 years ago, and they're the biggest produce distribution center in eastern Canada and even northeastern U.S. Uh, so they're yeah. huge, right? And, and they so they sell produce to pretty, pretty much if you buy a produce in the grocery store in Quebec, you know, 95 percent of the chance that it, it came from them. Right. It, they're huge. Yeah. And so and he showed us this wall of skids of produce. He was going to throw away that specific day. And it was a wall like it was a wall of racking. Probably twenty tons on that day of mangoes, papaya, pineapple, celery, cucumber, kale, name it, everything tomatoes, and what was amazing is that all of those produce, and I asked him to bring them down because those racking are like thirty six feet high and all the way to the ceiling, and so this guy came with a with a you know elevator and he brought all of the food down, and I just started looking at touching and everything and tasting, and everything was perfect. It was all produce that were perfectly ripe at this moment. And that's when he, he started explaining to us how the cycle of distribution is very weird. Where you need, you need, you know, they sell stuff that is not ripe yet, or that's going to be good for at least two weeks for those banners to be able to bring it in in their own warehouse and put it on, on the shelf. So all of that cycle of distribution makes it that when the produce is ripe at his place, it's too late, right? I mean, he's going to sell some to some, you know. You know, the hustlers that will come in and, you know, that they have those little fruit stands in the Montreal Nord or Anjou or places like this. But it's nothing compared to everything, all the overstock they, they carry. So, so for them, it's a percentage. It's a percentage of sale. They know they're going to waste that percentage. And they, they carry it in their cost that they sell to the consumers, which is Loblas and Sobeys and Costco of this world. And, and they send it to landfill. Right? 16 to 20 tons. So I had these shiverings. My air on my arms just went straight. And I said, we need to do something like right now. Julie sold her house. I sold my restaurant chain, Crudeissance. I sold some of my shares of Rise. And we started Loop full-time. We started from my apartment. So I went back from a guy who had 120 employees to a guy that was working with his girlfriend in his apartment full on startup. So I, and we bought a little van, we found a co-packer that was making the juice for us. And we were, you know, taking the overstock from our partner, Korshan Laraau, sending it to a facility that was making juice. And, and we started like this, I was delivering without a driver license because I lost too many points. So I lost my driver license, but so I had to deliver my juices illegally in montreal in those small cafes and, we, and third wave stores and uh and that's why i started and it, it was called loop juices and we call it circular economy the idea is to take the overstock from an industry that's normally been thrown away pay this overstock to the food manufacturer so that it creates a it creates a, a real money exchange for them so what, what what used to be an expense becomes a profit for them And for us, we pay a lower price than we normally would in the normal market. So we can afford sending a product on the shelves for consumers at a lower price than normally this this category will will normally be, right? So when we started as a juice, cold press juice was only niche. The reason we make cold press juice is because there was a market and it was a niche market. People were buying $10 a bottle. I was a consumer. I was a customer of of those companies. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm spending my whole rent in juice. It doesn't make sense. So when we came out at the $4.99
0: juice, we disrupted the market. big time. So cold press juice that's really expensive is usually from, you know, the top price fruits. Like they're not using the stuff that's overstocked. They try to.
2: They don't really use number two. And number two in the industry is produce that are... Uh, not as high quality as a number one, that is perfectly fine, but there's still a market for it, right? There's a huge market for food manufacturer. The, the reason our business model is, is very complicated is because, you know, normally when you start a business and you start a product, you, you look at market study, you look at what's out there and you look at trends and consumer trendings and you say, okay, this is a new trending flavor. This is a new trending project. So we'll we'll you know we'll find supply and we'll make this product with the supplier we'll calculate the cost and we'll make it when you do circular economy like we do you have to look at data on you have to become a data you have to become a data cre- a geek and crunch all the data from the industry first you have you need to have access to this data which is very hard because food manufacturers don't want to tell you how much they're wasting right because it's been it's always been a shameful for them to say how much they're wasting you know for the bread industry it's still hard, you know, for to tell the consumers our material waste because it's it's such a big amount. So you have to access this data and then crunch it and then see, you know, what are the trends in the food waste and then create a product out of this problem. So we kind of do it the other way, right? We look at a problem, we create a product that's going to solve this problem, and then we try to sell it. So we try to, you know, make it wanted by the consumers. So it's kind of an upside down way to do a, a business which is normally linear, right? So. So that's, yeah, that's the base the base of circular economy. So that, you know, when we started as a juice company, we were taking the overstock of produce, making a juice, and then giving our own waste to another company that makes dog food, vegan dog treats, actually. And that was a story, right? And and when we started, our biggest fear was two things. First, marketing. Our consumers, will consumers understand our mission and what we do, or are they going to think that we just use disgusting produce that are moldy and, and we do, you know, Uh, (laughs) dumpster diving you know this was this was the first part and the second part was are we gonna have enough raw material you know if we if it if it's successful like it should be are we gonna have enough supply to be able to have you know constant the same products on the shelf this was the biggest issue for us and those biggest issues became our biggest strength like it became our our power engine, like it's, it's what's fueling our business, because as soon as we started the business, everybody started calling us. Sobe's, Metro, Farmers, Craft Canada, Kushta, uh, AgroPure, uh, name it, all of the big food manufacturer and food farmer or importer called us and tell us how much they're wasting. So now we became the center of food waste in Canada, even Northeastern US, where we, I get phone calls every day of people wasting stuff, giving me their data and telling me how can you help. So that's how we went from Loop Juices to Loop Mission, and now we're you know we have a line of beer made, you know saving bread. We have a gin saving potato cuttings from a chips company which is Crispy Kernel. Uh, we have soaps that's used discarded oil from fast food chain. We have cookies coming out soon using spec grain leftover from the brewery. Uh, we have all kinds of new products. Our vision is to be in every single aisle of the grocery store in a category that's already existing with a product that's Loop branded that that means that it's a circular economy product. That's basically what we do. Sorry, that was a long introduction.
0: Dude, it's so, like, you could keep going. I'm, like, on this Loop wheel with you all the way, man. So it's no worries. I have so many questions. Mark, I know you're biting the tongue here. You want to throw a question out there?
1: No, you go. Yeah. You got your I have up. a question. I, just just
0: back to the, the 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 guy who called you the first time. Like, uh, yeah. did, he, did he already see what could be done, or he just was kind of like, "Look, I got this. Maybe you can solve it." Like, what was that yeah. that first conversation? Here's the thing: when you look at the at the industry, and
2: it, food waste is, is in the food industry, but waste is in every industry. I guess you're, you're probably hearing my baby cooing in, in the back. Sorry about that. It's, I just had a baby. It's like five weeks. It's all part of the mojo, man. <laughs> I know, I know. So, uh, so in the industry, you know, when you have a business, you're very busy. You know, if you ask any CEO of the world, you ask them how can you increase your net revenues at the bottom, your bottom line, net profit their first thing they're going to say is, I want to increase my sales. That's always the first answer. And the second answer, if they're more conservative, they'll say, I need to decrease my costs. I need to have better margin, right? That's the two things that any entrepreneur, CEOs that sell something will tell you. If with circular economy, what we bring is a third wheel where we say, Okay, you don't need to increase your sales. you don't need to decrease your quality by to make better margin. You just need to look at your waste and find a way to make a profit out of it, which is kind of a different way to look at it, because you are so busy as entrepreneurs selling HR, marketing, finance that the waste becomes just a little line in the income statement at the end of the year, and there's a percentage there that and every single industry, as a standard of the industry where it's, a, it's an acceptable waste percentage according to your industry. In restoration, I was in the restaurant business, 7% was the waste that was normally accepted as a restorator, uh, restorator to lose in your, in your kitchen. And that 7%, you charge it back in the bill to your customers, right? You bring your prices yeah, up. Yeah, you no put it either. in
0: the price. Yeah,
2: You always put it in the price, every time. So the consumer always pays for the food waste, right? The, the consumers today, when they go buy a broccoli or a tomato at the store, they buy about 35% more than what you would if there was circular economy across the board, right? If If more businesses like us do what we do, or if we actually keep growing like we do, we will create. A de inflation of the price of food on the market because the people we work with make more money. The partner we work with, Courchain Larose, the guy that called me, was losing $2 million per year just in value of produce and spending $400,000 just for getting rid of it, to send it to the landfill. Because it costs money to send stuff to the landfill when you're in an industry. We gave them this year in 2020, $2.8 million. So you can do the math right this is net revenue Yeah, right? so, and, and so those, they lo-
0: and they lower mm-hmm. their 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 waste
2: exactly rem- they lower it. their waste yeah. they, they yeah. and and this partner now makes more profit so can be more competitive and bring his prices down compared to his competitors that don't do what we what they do with us right so then it pushes everybody else to actually find solution to stay competitive in the course so we're basically a a virtuous cycle. That's why we're called loop, really, because we're we're bringing back that you know that all it's so much common sense, right? To just use everything in that waste, right? It, it, if you take a Native American and you bring it here from 400 years ago and you show him how we manage our resources, he's gonna cry. He's gonna be like, "Oh my God, what are you like?" In Canada, we throw away 56 percent of all the food that is being transported here or grown here more than half of the food 56 56 wow. 56 five, 6%, yeah Holy. So it's it's so that's how you can come you know that's where you understand that it became a strength for us because we'll never we'll never go out of those resources because there's so much food waste out there sorry that was a long answer for the second question
0: i didn't catch his name that fellow who called you Frederic, uh, so D. Frederic,
2: his name is Frederic Monette. This guy was a rice consumer. He just liked what what I did. I didn't know him. He didn't know me either, but he, he liked the products that we made, and and he just heard of me through the branches. It was really a coincidence that he, you know he heard I was up for a new project because I was getting bored. Uh, he heard from a friend of a friend of a friend, and that's when he called me and said, "Listen, you know, I, I I'm the fourth generation owning this business and managing it, and." I, we've been wasting for so many years, and we'd love to find a solution. You know, just join us and let's see what we can do.
0: Is it? And is he a partner in Loop,
2: or or it didn't? Really yeah, work out absolutely. Though. Yeah, he became a partner right from the start. So Loop is now owned by these guys, fifty percent and fifty percent by my wife and I. So it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful marriage, and it's the best partnership I ever had in my life because they're, they're very, they're operational. You know, they've been this doing this for a hundred years, so they're very in the details and the operations, you know, and the fine things. And as you know, I'm, or as you probably now started to understand after 15 minutes talking to me, I'm, I'm more like not really in the operation. I'm not really organized. So, and then, and then my wife is very organized and she's doing all the financials and she's doing all of the, you know, all of the grants and all of the branding and stuff like this. So we're an amazing team together. Like it's, it's a dream come
0: true. Yeah, it's it's such a fascinating story to know. Our whole podcast is about mojo, which is you know about you know finding your passions and energies, and sometimes that's hard work, and sometimes it just the all the stars line up just and it happens. And I'm not saying it's a fluke because I don't think it was a fluke that Frederic called you, right? Because if he he liked. And your whole your whole journey, but it all lined up to that moment and just kinda of like the perfect yeah. call. What's what's amazing
2: is that I met Julie and Frédéric. The the first meeting we actually really had after we visited his warehouse was in uh was at C2 Montreal and it was in the Ferris Wheel. And that's when it all came together. It's amazing. and I realized years later that Julie and, and I actually And you're going in a yeah, we're doing that loop. And you're going in a so loop. Funny. It's so funny. It was all
0: meant to be. <laughs> you can make a movie out of this story, man.
1: <laughs> I'm going to jump in with a question. Loop Mission is sort of, it almost in a way fell in your lap. But looking back, like food is this sort of through line through your different ventures. And I'm just like, what what is it for you about food that's drawn so much of your attention over the past 15 years. Well, I mean, I was six years old and making breakfast
2: for my three brothers and my parents, right, on, on Saturday and Sunday. I was, I've always been loving to cook. It's always been in my DNA somehow, which is weird because none of this is in my family. Like, nobody likes to cook in my family. So it just <laughs> happened to me that I just liked it. Uh, I, I left home from 16 to 24 years old. So I left Canada for eight years. Uh, traveling the world around, and and I was doing extreme sports. I was doing a lot extreme hikes, through Appalachian Trail. I did the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, many hikes like this that I did were I was you know surviving on food, and and this, and the food you're surviving on in those hikes, there it's very bad food. Like it's 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 junk food. It's Snickers and and Kraft Dinner and and you know uh, Sidekick from Lipton and stuff like this because you need to carry stuff. That is very dry, and that has carries a lot of calories, and it just didn't make sense for me. My first Ike when I was sixteen, I was like, "This doesn't make sense for me to eat four Snicker bars a day," you know. And I was looking at all this beautiful nature and this environment I was surrounded with, and I I felt like I wasn't putting inside my body what was surrounding myself, right? And that's when I had my aha moment where I shall feel, you know, feed myself better, and that's when my food journey started. For all these years, I was basically, you know, it was mostly a culinary. Experience and mostly a laboratory with my own body. Experience in those travels, I I tried all kinds of diets. I became a you know pescatarian, fruitarian, raw foodist, vegan, vegetarian. I fasted (laughs) in a cave for ten days. Like I did all kinds of testing on my body to see you know what was the best way to eat. And I when I came to Montreal, it was to start that 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 crudeness company, which was you know uh, at first it was just catering delivering my, with my own bike that I bought on craigslist and the, and the cooler that I the cooler actually cost me more than the bike that I bought and I started making food <laughs> for my from my apartment and delivering in, in those streets and in 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 businesses and that's when it all started really and the kombucha was something I was making in the kitchen in mason jar with Matt I met a guy that was actually couch surfing at my apartment and he's he was making kombucha which nobody knew at that time right it was it was a weird thing. Yeah, it was weird. And, like my
1: mom was doing it a while ago, and yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like, "You're weird. Like you've got a mother and a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, it's yeah, gross. Yeah. What's happening? Yeah, it's Why disgusting. are we doing that?" So
2: when we started doing this, uh, you know, we were we were freaks. I had, I was like a serious hippie, like big time, and uh, and then yeah, and then and then you know somehow it it, it outgrew me, right? It went really fast, and because I've always been passionate about food, and I guess this this personal. You know, excitement about the project I do is often kind of contagious, and and you know, so that's that's how it happened.
0: Really, it just it just all grew me. So where do you, where do you get your mojo? Like, is it just in you, or is it something you've worked over the years to to be true to? You? Like, you're very self aware that you're good at you know, getting ideas going and, you know, testing things and you're not good at organizing. Did you always know that? Or is it something you evolved towards? You know,
2: when you start a business and you're young, well, I won't say this as a fact, but for myself, starting a business as a young guy, I didn't know anything. And you kind of want to, you kind of want to, you know, fake fake it until you make it right so i wanted to be this great organized ceo and be seen as the great ceo and grow like this but then i realized rapidly that you know i realized what my strengths are right and if i put my ego aside which a lot of entrepreneurs don't do right a lot of entrepreneurs they want to be always on the top and so when i started loop you know i i told julie you know i think you're you should be the ceo because you're way more organized than i am and and you have you know great leadership too and 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 I'll you know I'll just be there helping and, and helping grow and I'll be the steward of this new organism that we're, you know, putting to life. And and to, to do this, to know your strength, right, it takes years, right? But after a few years, I basically made two drafts, which was my two previous business and to make this amazing business now where I'm not at the top. I'm, you know, I'm beside Julie that she's managing it. But I, my, my business card, it says on it, Superhero. That's my title, actually. So, so it's a good <laughs> Good title to have. I get to rescue lives. That is pretty sweet. Lives of fruits and vegetables.
0: <laughs> we Just uh, speaking of titles, we had a guest from, his name's Andy Nolman, and uh, he used to work for in the f- comedy world, and of his business cards said Chief Motherfucker Officer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic Andy. <laughs> yes. So what I'm hearing here, like, You've gotten really clear about what you're good at, what you love doing, and 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 you you sort of handed the leadership role from a CEO to your wife. So so what's like I shouldn't already jump to what's next, but is there enough new things for you to be grabbing in Loop, or is it like uh, you got to soon start moving on your next mission or you're adventure?
2: Right. Well, that's that's a good thing about Loop is that I'm such in a sweet spot because. We can always grow. Our business model is based on a mission, right? My two previous business had a great mission, but you still need to grow and your mission is not necessarily corresponding to the growth. For Loop, the more we grow, the better it is for the planet. And that was our dream. Our dream was to start a business where the more you sell something, the better it is for the world, right? And, and by doing so, well, there's no limit to what we do and there's no limitation of all kind of, top, of the products we can make. I mean, you know, I could in three years launch a clothing line with the same branding and it will still work, right? Because we will, you know, suddenly rescue fish nets from the sea and then make clothing out of it. Right? I'm not saying this is what we're going to do, but we're mostly into the food world. But there, there's kind of very, very cold
0: clothing, very yeah. holy co- clothing. Oh, no, no. I guess you'd reweave the- <laughs> Something like this, you know, or for the old couture. But you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I
2: mean, in a way, there's, there's no limitation to what we can actually achieve at Loop, right? And our vision is to be worldwide, right? So we're working with, with distribution in, in Europe, we're working with people in California, and also people in Melbourne, Australia, to replicate the same model, right? So the idea is that you'll see Loop mission products all across the world, uh, using the overstock from those specific local areas, so the products won't be the same, right? The flavor profile will be different from an area to another, depending on what's being thrown away in that places. So that's that's the vision, you know. We're we're just finishing a, a investment round, so we're receiving ten million dollars in the next few weeks for expanding in the U.S. and doing the same model, and 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 then opening opening a new factory in in uh, on the North Shore of Montreal, and it's only the beginning, really. It's you know, there's no limit to what we can actually yeah. achieve.
0: So in all those markets, are you? A shareholder or are you saying, you know, we're more of a collective and you you run ahead with it? No, no, we're a shareholder.
2: We actually find partners there. Okay. The idea is that the, the most important part is the overstock, right? To say, who is showing food and in, in what quantities? And we have to find the, the biggest ones, the ones that show the most, because that's where you have the most impact, right? And so so we go, so we target those, we meet them and we show them how, it's a win 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 situation it's very hard to say no to our project because why would you say no? you know you're going to go from losing two million dollars to making two million dollars and you know be part of an amazing project so so that's what we're basically creating uh, across the globe
1: It's fascinating that you're creating products that are unique to an area it's almost like you can create juice with like a terroir while it's still shop local but then it's capitalism for good at the same time like it's this wonderful nexus of yeah, so many different yeah, things absolutely absolutely, it's quite fascinating really
0: could you design in almost an obsolescence of your product let's say this supplier could actually really organize better the supply chain so there's no more overstock for how they do it i don't know in a way that would you wouldn't have supply anymore. So how, how does that play out? You know, like- this
2: This will unfortunately never happen. Because, and the reason it will never happen is, is because it's not because the supply chain is not well done. It's the opposite. The supply chain is amazingly well done. And it's well done for one purpose, making sure the consumers can have access to everything all year round, everywhere. And that's the problem. Right? If you go, I went to Galapagos three years ago and I went to that little island and this, of course, is extreme, but it's, it will explain to you, where I, you know, what I mean. I mean, in the Calabagas Island, the stores get replenish, replenishment once a week by a boat. And that boat comes once a week on Friday. So on Friday night, it's a party because the, the store is full. We can buy all kinds of things, you know, all kinds of fruits, all kinds of food, all kinds of vegetables, beers, everything. But on Friday morning or Thursday night, the store is pretty much empty. There's potatoes and onions and rice, right? And that's, that's it and nobody cares if you're in the store as a tourist and it's the first week you're like what's the what's the fucking problem you know sorry what what's your problem where's how can i i need i need the fucking tomato yeah exactly <laughs> where's the fucking the ice cream you bitches <laughs> but people don't care there they're like <laughs> this is the way it is here you know it's just comes it's we don't have everything all the time right we're not spoiled and we're fine with it on on thursday we make rice with onion and potatoes, and it's fine. It's actually good with salt, right? So we created this monster. We work as consumers. When you go to a grocery store today, you go in the dairy aisle, or you go in any aisle, and, and you're expecting to have your blueberry yogurt from that specific brand. And if it's not there, you know, not necessarily us because we're civilized, but a lot of citizens will actually go to the manager and give him shit because he doesn't have his blueberry yogurt, right? So this, and, and if they don't carry everything, with a high abundance then people will go to another store that actually does and it's proven and it's very proven that if you carry more food in the, in your aisle you'll sell more now, even if, in a, if it's one kind of food right if you put and when i was at actually i was doing catering i work with a specific store i won't say which one and he told me you know we made a test if you bring me 100 sandwiches i'll sell 75 and i'll throw away 25 if you bring me 40 sandwiches, I'll sell probably 36 and the four last ones will never sell. If the shell is full, it sells a lot, but you have a lot of loss of waste, but most of people calculate the waste and makes it worth it to just full the shelf and then just waste everything. So most of the companies out there, especially in the, in, you know, in the refrigerator out of the grocery store, guarantee their sales and re- replace those thrown away product for the for the buyer right so so we've created that monster where food waste is just you know it's just part of it it's just a game for making sure abundance is there so that's why i say it's never going
1: to end. it's just math it's never yeah.
2: going to end for it to for it to end you will need all of the consumers all of those hipsters out there and all of the millennials and all of the baby boomers everybody to say okay we're going to accept oils in the grocery store and we'll accept to eat what's
1: available right now
0: which is never going to happen potatoes and rice on
1: thursday yeah yeah shop in season shop yeah. locally and shop what's there that's
2: not happening i'm a very optimistic person so it's it makes it makes me sound weird to say it's never gonna happen it, could. I mean, it might happen right but it will take it
1: will take a lot of but it's a seismic shift
2: yeah it's yeah exactly it's i don't know I prefer, you know, making a business that solves a problem than counting on human
1: beings to change their behaviors. Exactly. So the best thing that could happen is for you to go out of business, in essence, because you'd have no ways left. And that'd be because society itself corrected.
2: Until then, I'm already going to be rich because I'm already rich. So I don't mind if I go out of business.
1: (laughs) So you've already won. Exactly. you already, you've so already please. won the game. So
0: if you're so rich, why don't you get give, give Mark and I a few shares in loop, man? That would be awesome.
2: Because <laughs> nothing we gotta get rich. Right. anything free is never good.
0: <laughs> oh, now we're getting philosophical. So question is loop gonna be kind of like a unilever of of responsible consumption? Yeah, pretty much. Is that much. where we're heading? Pretty much.
2: You know a lot of people we just did a, a fundraising right so a lot of the funds were like you know how are you going to sell this business one day because you're nobody's going to buy somebody that makes soap beer and cookies it doesn't make sense at all it's confusing right for us it's not confusing and if and if you go in a grocery store most of consumers don't know this but in a grocery store especially in the, in the in the center aisle right which is about you know 60 percent of the grocery store Basically, every products about 90% of the products in the center aisle are owned by about four companies. That's it, right? And but nobody knows they, And those four companies are keep you know yeah. doing you know a, M&A like uh, merge and acquisition, and they buy other companies to you know keep having new things. And they have to to need the marketing department for all of these brands and mar- you know marketing expense for all of these different brands. While for us, we see ourselves kind of just like you said, you know, as a the company that will have the same branding and everything, so that every product that you see in a grocery store gives credit to the other and makes the consumers be like, "Oh, I've seen this in the other aisle, but it was pizza and now it's it's just gin or it's a soap what what's happening you know and it's to us it it kind of makes sense because yeah. it, it you know it, it makes a nice vehicle for this message to be really hammered in people's mind, you know.
0: You know, obviously, you represent a certain philosophy and mindset uh, and worldview, and as we've seen in recent times, you know, south of the border, but anywhere in the world, like the left versus the right, and the blue versus the red, and the, how do you bridge, do you have any thoughts on bridging that gap, or you say, forget about it, we we have our tribe, our believers, and that's who we speak to, or do you, do you have some hopeful way of connecting those communities and bringing people together around this? Well, luckily, what we do touches
2: everyone. No matter how much of a redneck you are or how much of a EP freak you are, how much you believe in conspiracy or that you're, you know, no matter what you think, what's amazing with our mission is that it's a totally political gender neutral mission. We're talking about produce right and saving food and saving food waste and no matter which kind of person you are you don't like throwing food you don't like it like it's like because it's worth money right so you talk to the environmentalists but you also talk to the to the you know money lover people so so it's a very very Mm. wide our audience is is very wide it's everyone really because everybody is touched by it depending of you know which which level we touch them with. You know, it might be because we, we reduce greenhouse gas emission because we do by, you know, food waste is a... If food waste was a country in terms of greenhouse gas emission product, pro, production, is the third biggest country after USA and China, right? Because food waste creates huge amount of, of, of greenhouse gas emission when you send it to landfill. So you can talk to these people, but you can talk about economically. it's, it's so It makes so much sense in terms of financial and creating value. Uh, you can talk to social people because it makes so much sense to, you know, create more jobs and bring the prices down of stuff so that, you know, so that everybody has more access to better food, you know? So, so it talks to everyone, which is great. So I don't have to be politicized too
1: much, you know? And plus, if your gin's good, people are going to buy good gin.
2: Exactly. So we're not, you know, we're not this company that makes only, you know, better for you product, we make gin that you can get really drunk with. (laughs) <laughs> and, um yeah exactly yep. and then Fun you, know, you, you can wash yourself with our soaps in the shower after and whatever you know you we do it all
1: and wake exactly. yourself up when you're exactly. a little hungover and then have a juice and get back together <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i was telling you about noah who's a big fan uh and and organized our call here, and he said, uh, I asked him. So he he's a big fan of one of your juices. I think it's an orange. Yeah, it's thing, morning glory uh, for sure. Lime one. Whenever
2: people are fun, it's this one because it's and I said it's amazing, and it's called morning glory. It's kind of
0: uh, funny, morning glory. So I said, is it consistent? Because you know the waste, like you know most products. There's like you know it always tastes like a Coca Cola wherever you are in the world. And He said, I think it changes a little. But it's good. Yeah. Is he right in saying, yeah, it might vary because... He's being nice. It's,
2: it changes a lot. Our juices have the same recipes. They have the same nutritional fact table in the back because it's, it's what it is. But the, the, the flavor changes because we don't decide if it's been raining in Ecuador for that spe- specific pineapple crop at that specific season, right? So we don't know how much the pineapple is going to be sweet or watery or, you know, most any food business out there really other than us buys iqf frozen same bricks same flavor same color for making the recipes we take the overstock so we never know what it's going to look like so our juices change color sometimes a little bit sometimes it's darker sometimes it's lighter sometimes it's sweeter sometimes it's less we had an orange we had an old truckload of of oranges that tasted like water like it it there was no sugar to it but we didn't want to throw it away so we made the orange juice that wasn't really tasting like orange juice, and we were lucky enough that our customers know this, right? They're expecting this in a way, right? If if orange juice was always
0: the same, it will be almost be shady, you know. Would you say that's almost part of the mojo of your products? Is that sort of every time there's a bit of a surprise, like or? Yeah. It's unique. No, but it's it's always changing.
1: It's like every yeah. it's like almost like a vintage, right? It's like every time you make a batch of orange juice, it's yeah, like, a certain w- yeah. vintage, like
2: wine. It's a vintage of orange juice. Any scaling up business in the food industry, or even other than food, even in the arts or anything, or in the craftsmanships, whenever you scale up, you lose that craftsmanship. You lose that that roots that you know you know, down earth feeling of the of the product because it's it's manufactured. And when you manufacture, it becomes there's less salt to it, and you know it's it tastes manufactured most of the time, right? And the, what's amazing with our mission is that no matter how much we grow, it's always going to be like this, right? Even if we make, you know, right right now we make about fifty five thousand bottles a week. That's the amount of bottles we make every single week. Fifty five thousand bottles. uh even if we grow to five hundred thousand bottles a week, it's still going to taste different every time. It's still going to have that grassroots feeling to our recipes. That's that's super
0: interesting. I have a. I I I'm wondering, Mark. Yes, then. Are we in the rabbit hole five moment? I think or we should. Yeah. We? Let's go okay. for it. Okay. Let's. So we do the rabbit hole five. Oh, what's going on? What's going on, guys? The na- <laughs> Well, normally it's the rapid five. But when we try to make it rapid, it was never rapid because we start talking about things. So now it's the rabbit hole five. So we go down these paths. Okay. Anyway. I'm ready. Uh so so Mark, you Mark, you're up number one. Come on, roll off.
1: Yeah. So first question. I mean, you've obviously experimented this so much over, over so long with your body and what's what goes into it and what you eat. But you know, is is there is there a food that you, you know, is kind of guilty pleasure that you kinda of don't want people to know you eat? Like you have a couple drinks, you go have a Big Mac, and like you feel a bit guilty about it afterwards? Like what's it, what's a food for you that you know is kinda of guilty? Yeah,
2: I used to feel guilty about it, but I don't anymore. But it's uh it's the it's the beyond meat at the IW. I mean, this thing is so crap. Like if it's not good for you, I think. But it's so good. <laughs> it's so it's, it's so, so salty good. it's so good exactly <laughs> and i and i just eat it while driving i take it at the drive-thru and it's just at such a beautiful moment uh, uh yeah i think i think that's the one i'm pretty sure that's the one
0: so a and w is your guilty pleasure but you keep it vegetarian but it's still the yeah
2: but i think the vegetarian is worse than the meat i think i think the meat is probably better for you because i think <laughs> they put so much stuff in that patty like it's it's insane so i'm not sure you know to me it's a guilty pleasure <laughs> yeah
0: second rabbit hole in your afterlife <laughs> whether you believe in that stuff or not maybe you do if you could come back as a food what food would you be i'd be a durian
2: hands down for sure A what a durian you guys don't know what a durian is a what Durian it's a no. it's an amazing fruit you guys need to discover this food it's amazing it's it's a it's a it's a fruit it's the king of the fruits it's the only fruit that tigers and gorillas actually fight for and it's uh and it's it's a huge fruit with spikes on it actually people die from it every year uh and it's uh it tastes it's a mix between custard chicken and onion and it's 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 absolutely a, It's exhilarating. It's totally crazy. And it's actually illegal. You cannot bring this. It grows in in Asia. And you're not allowed to bring it in in planes or or cabs. And every plane and cab have a little sign with the fruit and an X on it to say you're not allowed to bring it because it stinks. (laughs) It smells like skunk. Like the smell is atrocious, but it's so tasty. Where have
0: you had this? Like where do you get this?
2: I used to be a raw foodist, right? And I lived in Hawaii for a year, so I found this fruit in Hawaii. And, and when I came to Montreal, you can buy it in Chinese market when it's seasoned, but they, they also sell it frozen. And I think the reason I will be like to be reincarnated in a durian, that sounds weird. Um, but it's your question. <laughs> it's, uh, this, this is on you, uh, is because I think, you know, anybody that buy, that buys a durian or eats a durian, is excited like you cannot it's it's so exciting because it's really hard to open and it it actually you can bleed from it because it's so spiky and it hurts but you want you really want to get in there and then you get in there and it's like it's very sensual and it's 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 almost sexual it's amazing
0: so you know we thought we're being clever putting this question in but we were not expecting that as an answer i wasn't that i was like you'd say mango or something like that there we go
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or like a plate of Galapagos Thursday night rice, onion, yeah. and salt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Question number three: Do you still drink rice, and if so, which flavor? Oh
2: yeah, I drink I drink rice actually every day still, and I actually buy it at the store because I'm too lazy to go to the warehouse, uh, and <laughs> and uh, I buy the new. I always take the lychee one. It's a new flavor we came out with, and it's just so good. I think I like it sweet, so it's the sweetest also. It's the one that has the highest sugar content. But maybe that's why I like it so much, but it's, it's just amazing. It's a, it's a really good one. But we are just coming out. We just came out. I just tasted the flavor from the R&D, but in about a month and a half from now, you'll see uh, we have a mint and matcha coming out, which is pretty exciting.
0: Ooh. So I'm still – I'm a pretty class. I'm still at the hibiscus rose hip the old thingy. school. That's where I stay. Old school. (laughs) Question number four. Last year, you had a contest where you could win a year's worth of yum yum potato chips and gin, okay? I want to know what's the fine print on this. Like, how much chips and gin can we actually consume in a year, and was there a limit it's on so, this thing? It's so funny you asked
2: because this was the
0: this was the uh, the the
2: giveaway that gave us such a debate at the office because we had probably a two hour debate on exactly that question. Nobody agreed about how much chips we can eat. So we we ended up agreeing that it was a bag of chip a week, and a bottle of gin every three weeks. So that was a so that's what we gave away at the at the giveaway.
0: So you did have fine print, yeah, absolutely. And, and how do you come up with three weeks of gin? Like what's the, how do you, what, what's the logic to that? Well, Why not four? Well, or, you
2: know, I felt two, like a, two. like a gin a month is just sad. Like you can't really share with your friends and it's just, you know, so, you know, and, and other than two weeks, it's just, it would have been bad. We would have basically tell people that we're alcoholics. So to us, three weeks was kind of a, it was like the sweet spot where, you know, you it doesn't sound like too much. It sounds like you can actually share with people and you know we're not limiting you to just drink it over a month period
1: makes sense i think that makes sense you know because it's very i mean i mean it's very random i just made it up but at the same time like (laughs) i feel like it's it's valid you know if you're getting one a month it's okay you can kind of see that as being well whatever but if if you're getting it every three weeks i don't think over the course of a year you're going to be crushing a bottle every three weeks so then you're going to have build up so i I think it makes sense you can share it i'm sold sold on the restaurant there you go exactly
0: i gotta say it's probably one of the most unique sort of food pairing projects i've heard of
1: <laughs> chips and gin
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's usually like olives and gin or chips and beer but i like it i like makes it makes sense it's because of the partnership the gin is made out of potato
2: cuttings from that same chips company right so exactly that's why we made this it was bring bring awareness to our to all is made, really.
0: Kind of genius, Mark. Kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah. I understood it from the beginning, Thing.
0: Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, our last rabbit hole question is my cheat shortcut to getting advice for my eldest son, who's 17. And essentially, we're banking these. We ask every guest the same thing. And then we use this when we go home and we hopefully, you know, sound wiser. What advice would you give your 17-year-old self? Uh... My future son or myself, yourself. So you could go back and talk to you. I will, I will
2: really look at myself in the eye and say, you know, stop trusting people because of, 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 of what they look on paper and just follow your guts and feeling on those people. If you cannot hang out with someone and drink a beer and be a buddy with that person, don't make him your partner or her. That's it. That will, that's what I will tell myself.
0: Boom! That's very good. That's like that's just so good. That's real talk. Do you
2: feel like uh, we need to go into this, and you want to hear about my all my trauma from the past because of what I just said? Or are you okay? I think we, no, because this is not. This is mojo moment. is <laughs> yeah. not.
0: This is not moping. I was <laughs> you notice, you notice. We didn't jump on. Like, tell us more about that. Yeah, we're like, we're gonna we leave that one. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's no. It's a good tip.
2: advice. You know, it's a really good advice because a lot of people, especially when they, you know, when they start their career or, or their entrepreneurship journey, you know, we don't, we don't believe in ourselves, right? We because we're just starting, right? We have all these feelings, all these instincts, but we get, we learn, and this is, it's gonna sound very cheesy, but it's true. We kind of learn to push those away and. And trust what's on paper and trust, you know, people's curriculum and resume. And, and, you know, so, so yeah. So I I made so many mistakes in my life by, I didn't make mistakes, but I, I slow down my path by taking on board, you know, teams that I knew were not the right people for me, but on paper they were. Does that make sense?
0: You know, it's funny that this advice you're saying right now, I've heard from another fellow, a Swede. Who's also in the food industry, but made vodka. (laughs) Okay, so there's maybe some connection here. And he, he, um, and then I can't do a Swedish accent, so I won't do it. But he, he essentially was uh, developing a vodka for um, uh, a large group, but it was local vodkas. So there was a local Berlin, a local Detroit, a local. It was all. It was anyway. And his philosophy was, you and I'm not. You want to be... No, I, I don't know do that. I'm doing, I won't do it. He essentially said, you got to ask yourself if you want to go with this person. So partner with someone in business, do business with someone. If you want to go somewhere on a beach for a week, and because we're Swedish, we, we hang out naked on beaches. So do you want to hang out naked for a week on a beach with this person? It was his philosophy in life. So, Wow. Anyway, and I didn't, and I avoided doing the (laughs) accent. Well, being naked on the beach,
2: that just reduced even more the amount of people I can actually work with.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, keep it raw, you know, keep it raw. So, any other last comments to our Mojo? We have a huge community of Mojo listeners out there. Any last other thoughts you want to share? Yeah, Mojo.
2: I mean, I say totally be, before even knowing if I want to share something, but it's my, it's you know, it's how I am. You know, that's why you know I I'm good for the mojo talk because I just say totally before even knowing what I'm going to say. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, say, I'll yeah, I, you know, I think my message out there will be to you know, if you want to start a project or if you're looking at starting something new, try to look at at solving a real problem out there instead of creating a, a need, right? And if you do this, your project's going to go faster, better. You have you know, people that will stick to it way easily. You know, your HR will be easier. Your marketing is going to, everything's going to be easier. And you'll feel better about yourself every day you wake up. So, you know,
0: so, yeah, that's my message to have more mojo. Awesome. Very Thank good. you, of David. Thanks to you guys. That was awesome. Great mojo. Thanks a lot, Thanks man. See you guys. It was fun. And where can, where can we find some Loop? Where can we find some Loop? Just for you can our, find uh, Loop
2: either online, directly on our website. Uh, during the pandemic, people order a lot. Or you can find them in pretty much every single grocery stores out there. That's what's amazing. If you go to Metro IGA, Loblaz, Provigo, uh, any health food stores, Rachel Berry, Avril Old Foods in the West Coast, anywhere, we're there.
0: Awesome. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you so much, man. Keep the mojo up. It was a pleasure. Cheers, man. Ciao. Well, that was a loop.
1: <laughs> Did you get thrown for a loop?
0: Oh, come on. Okay. Have we gone not, full circle? I'm feeling loopy. <laughs> you know, a lot of our guests, I know quite well, not a lot, but I know things about, you know, I, either because I know them or I'm already deeply familiar. While I'm a big fan of the, the kombucha rye story. But the loop thing, I knew nothing about, man. And it just blew my mind, just, you know, his fact about the amount of waste that's out there. He's saying that the carbon, what do you say? The, the carbon, carbon
1: emissions, if, if food waste were a country... The carbon emissions it emit would be the third largest in the world behind the u s a and China. Just pause
0: on that for a sec <laughs> like how come we we don't know
1: this stuff, and fifty six percent of all produce is wasted in this country
0: It's wild it's super wild like what's amazing is food is such a an inti- well a kind of intimate thing right it's, it's it's the thing we use to fuel our lives. It's a thing we take such pleasure in. We sit down and we enjoy and it's just so central to us and how little we know of what's actually happening behind the
1: scenes. And there's also so much of it that has been bastardized and been corrupted over time, right? You think of like all the food products that are laced with chemicals if in that middle section that he's talking about, like all those things that are packaged and canned and all that. There's so many chemicals and so many things that we eat. And that what he's doing is taking raw materials. The raw ingredients that are just going to go to waste and turn them into stuff that's useful, tasty, you know, just a product you would want anyways. Like people are buying juices anyways. This one just happens to be made with what would have been nothing. Like he's making something out of nothing and making profit on it for everybody. And
0: he can do it cheaper because his raw ingredients are cheaper.
1: Exactly. He sells it to you for less. He makes it for less. So he's still making the same profit that other people are making on the same thing, just with something else. And you can feel good about it, whatever it is, from the soap to the gin to the juice.
0: Super story. And and it's almost like it's only David could do this. You can sense his energy. His mojo is that type of character that just dies right into a problem
1: and goes for it. But it's a continuation of something that he figured out while, well, while well, hiking, right. He was realizing like what he was taking wasn't good and how he could be using something else instead to fuel his body. And so for this, he found something, you know, the phone call from God, basically, you know, out of the blue, I'm not entirely out of the blue, but becomes this entire business for him, which is just like when he was on the hike, you know, I could be eating all of this stuff and using this, as, as fuel and as something that drives me. And now he's got this company that does the same thing.
0: So I think what we got to do is, dude, like find someone who's wasting a lot of something and
1: do something with it. Yeah, we need to find someone who's wasting beachfront property.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, wasting the airways with our podcast. What can we do with oh,
1: that? yeah. <laughs> that
0: that too okay bro that was so awesome thanks man T- take care bro
1: yeah you too thanks to david for coming on and yeah. sharing his story everybody should go up and buy loop yeah get on the mission wheel
0: <laughs> okay thank job, you buddy. that was mojo moments listen in share it up and remember keep the mojo